Today's podcast is brought to you by our friends at Banzoogle. Built for musicians, by musicians. Banzoogle powers the websites for tens of thousands of artists around the world. Their simple step-by-step system will get you online in minutes. Choose from dozens of mobile-friendly templates, then customize your design in just a few clicks. Built for musicians, by musicians. Banzoogle has all the features you need for your website and EPK already built in, including tools to sell music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send professional newsletters, integrations to pull in content from your online services, including YouTube, Twitter, and SoundCloud, and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Go to Banzoogle.com to try it for free for 30 days and be sure to use the promo code DRUMMERGIRL. That's all one word to get 15% off for the first year of any subscription. Hey, you guys, it's Dawn Marie. Welcome to another episode of The Little Drummer Girl. Today, I want to talk about 10 traits of successful people. Now, I'm sure you've seen a lot of successful people out there, right? Have you ever wondered, how did they become successful? What made them different that made them stand out and become a success? This is something that really fascinates me. And I've been studying this for a long time. And I really believe there's a psychology over um, our minds and success. And, and I think psychology plays a large factor in our success. Some of the things I noticed that were threaded through each person that I've talked to or that I've read about in their biographies was that these are just 10 of them. There's more, but this is just 10 to get you started. The number one thing I found like just seemed to go over and over again, which was the same with everyone, was that they visualized what it was that they wanted to do. Now, maybe you already visualize, or maybe you're totally new to it, but there's something I've been practicing since I learned about it, and which is about 25 years ago or something like that. And I really didn't even know I was doing it before that. But when I was a dancer, you know, uh, one of the things they teach you is to know, to look at the clock when you're on stage, right? You got to look at the clock in the back of the audience because that's going to be a focal point. So like if you're doing a lot of turns and spins as a dancer, you know, you don't want to get discombobulated on stage and, you know, fall into a prop or knock someone over and things like that. So they teach you how to like, you know, when you spin that you come back and you look at your clock up on the wall. So visualizing to me is kind of the same principle. It means that, you know, you look at that thing, but you really kind of hone in on how it is that you want to see it happen. Kind of like playing your own movie. Okay. So if you are a movie buff, like I am, this should be pretty easy to do. Now, the other thing is really not only visualizing that goal, the end result, or whatever that thing is that you're trying to attain. Like, what do you feel when you are going through it or when you're doing it or when you've achieved it. So each step of the way, thinking, how do you feel? Do you feel excited? You, you know, do you feel maybe a little, uh, a, a little nervous? When you visualize the outcome that you want, most likely it's going to turn out that much better. I think about it. The other thing that people who are successful do, they can accept criticism and they can do it well. Now, most of us don't like to be criticized, right? Because we think, oh, well, you may start to get like a bad attitude about it. You know, you know what you're doing. You don't need to be told how to do something. 
But, you know, I remember feeling that way when I first started out in the business world. I had my first job. I was on Wall Street. I was only 18 years old. And here I am working on, you know, Wall Street, <laughs> this mas- massive um, maritime law firm working for the managing attorney. And she had a really big role in that. And as a female lawyer at the time, it was very rare to see somebody who was like in charge of the other attorneys, which, you know, she had a pretty big role. And she was a great mentor to me. But one of the things she taught me was that if I made mistakes along the way, she would be able to tell me, you know, Dormarie, you need to do it this way and this and that. And the first thing I wanted to do was kind of get like offended and be like, oh, you know. But then I said, let me see, because she's a really smart lady. Let me see what she's talking about. And so I did what she said and I did it her way. And you know what? A, it was a lot faster to do it her way. And then I didn't find that I had any problems doing that thing after. So all I'm saying is that if you have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, maybe when it comes time to being criticized, try to look at it as, you know what, this is another learning experience that you can take and grow from and not look at it as a bad thing. Okay. So change your mindset about being critiqued and it may go a long way, believe it or not. So check it out and see what happens. The third thing that people who are successful do is that they overcame fear, doubt, and any kind of like naysayers and negativity that was around them. They put their blinders on and they did not look anywhere else. They said, okay, they may have felt the fear, but they did it anyway. I'll never forget my first speaking engagement. And it was in a play. I was in the like fourth or fifth grade. I think it was the fifth grade. And we were doing a, a, a play to uh, one of the, I went to a Catholic school and it was a priest who was becoming a Monsignor, which is a kind of a big thing. And so they were doing a congratulatory play, but I was the narrator of the play. So I had to stand up there with a microphone with like nobody behind me at times and talk about different points throughout his life. And for somebody who's like, you know, what, nine or 10 years old, I, that was a pretty big thing. And I was scared hootless. Let me tell you, I, I just didn't think I could do it. And But they chose me. I didn't ask to, to take that part. Trust me. I was very shy. I still am a very shy person, but I've learned how to become a little bit more of an extrovert. So now if you have that shyness and maybe you have some fear, You have to learn how to do it afraid and just do it anyway, because it's really going to make a difference. I mean, I'm telling you, uh, when I went parasailing, right, I I had to, you know, get up on the parachute and get up there and, you know, and it was fearful. I was by myself and this was in Mexico in like 1983 and parasailing was all new. And, you know, uh, back then they, they kind of had you in the water and they took you off and they landed you back into the water. But now I think they do it off of the boats, but. Still, it was very fearful. And I said, I really want to do it. So let's do it. Do it afraid. And I was up there. My heart was in my mouth. I was definitely like sweating and getting really nervous. But it was so invigorating. It was so exciting. And I was just so glad that I did that. Because if I would have let my fear stop me, who knows the all the other things that I would have stopped me from doing. So I learned that even though I may feel the fear I have to step into it and then do it anyway. You have to think like, what's the worst that can happen? Think about something that might've happened in the past that you were afraid to do, but you did it anyway, right? But you had all these thoughts going on in your mind, right? And they were really haunting you and they were making you so crippled that you didn't even know 
that you could really do this thing. Then you did it. And you thought about all those horrible things. Did any of those horrible things that ever happen when you did that thing? I bet you're saying no, right? Because they didn't happen. But our little minds that are not so little can really cloud our judgment and can really take over us and grip us and stop us dead in our tracks from doing those things that we love to do. So I remember, for instance, here's a great example. I was 19. I was working for Sony Music. I may be 20. And somebody in the office said, hey, you know, why don't you come out with us tonight? I'm going to go hang out. Joe Walsh is going to be around. And I was like, oh, wow, Joe Walsh from the Eagles. I always loved the Eagles. I loved listening to them play. My cousin, who was an acoustic guitarist back in the day, she was about maybe, you know, 14 years older than me or so, but she would play her acoustic guitar and she lived downstairs from us. And so I would just kind of play with her records and listen to her play those. And my sister who was 14 years old, she would play their albums and I just love their music. So now here I am with Joe Walsh, hanging out, chit-chatting, shooting the breeze, right? And then he finds out that I'm a drummer. So what does he do? He invites me to come down to the studio that he's recording a new album and says, Hey, would you like to come down and play? And you know what I said? Joe, wow, that is so kind of you. I am so amazed. Like, I am in awe. I can't believe you're asking me to play. But I have to say, I'm sorry, but I have to politely decline. Because, you know, I just kind of started playing on the set. It was about a year. I didn't feel very confident at all. I mean, mentally, I've been playing since I was three years old. But (laughs) I am Joe Walsh from the Eagles, who had his own band, is asking me to play on his album. And I said, no, because of fear, nothing else but fear. And so, you know what? From that day forward, I mean, I kicked myself in the head and I just kept saying, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. But I had to believe it because guess what? It happened. I lost the opportunity. I never got it back. But hey, Joe, if you asked me to come down and play, you know, I'd have a totally different answer, right? So all I'm saying is you don't want to miss any of those opportunities that can possibly come your way because of fear. I know somebody who will not get on a plane. First fiance, his mom, I mean, she was a wonderful lady, but she was petrified of getting on a plane. And I offered to take her all expenses paid to take them out to Orlando, her and her daughter and and her son was my fiance and myself to spend a few days in Orlando because she always wanted to go to Disney and check out the rides and things like that. So I said to my my ex and I said, hey, let's, you know, do something nice for her and take her because she was like 65 at the time. And had never really been off the block. So I tried to take her to some local haunts just to kind of get her feet wet with traveling. And then I thought, okay, we could spring the plane trip on her, but she would not do it. And it was so sad to see that here's this wonderful person who's letting her fear stop her from living her life. And, you know, she, she missed out on so many amazing opportunities. I mean, John and I were together for like 10 years and I wanted to take her to a bunch of different places, but, you know, she only came to a couple out of all the things I offered her. And it's really sad to see somebody miss those opportunities in life to have fun and have these amazing memories that can go, you know, for years to come. Okay. So let me move on. The number four secret of their success is that They believe in creating their own destiny, okay? Now, I don't know what you believe in, if you believe in God, if you believe in the universe, the higher power, whatever you call it. I believe we were all like 
we have been stamped with something that we're supposed to do with our life. Some of us find it very early. Like, you know, some people know when they're kids, they're going to be a doctor, they're going to be musicians, and that's great. But most of us can't figure it heads and tails. And it's like years and years and years. We float around and try to figure it out. I know, like, I had the dream of being the dancer on Broadway, right? And that was my dream. But then when I was struck by the drunk driver when I was 22, that dream got stolen. It got, you know, crushed. And so I had to think about some other things that I could do that I still felt connected to music and dance. And so I wound up getting into the music business, ironically. And it was only by sheer uh, happenstance because I was actually working for American Baby Magazine at the time. And uh, some a woman that worked for the publisher there, she was like, oh, you know, you're meeting all these musicians because I was managing a band. And so I got to meet some new people and they started introducing me to people like, you know, uh, Billy Squire and, and his drummer. And then when, you know, I met Bobby Chouinard the first time, Billy Squire's drummer, he found out that I was a drummer and he was performing that night. And he's like, don't leave before, you know, you, you leave. I want to I want to I want to tell you something or something like that. So, you know, the day before I'm leaving and the night before I'm leaving there, I said, hey, Bobby, I got to go. And, and he's like, hey, wait, wait, wait. So he runs backstage, he comes out and he hands me this 18 inch pasty power crash symbol. I was blown away. And I'm like, what do you what? <laughs> it's like, this is for you. Keep on rocking on. And, oh, my goodness. Can you believe that? Like, wow. So dreams do come true. But the thing is, is that, you know, you, we have to push through and create our own destinies. Now, you may think that's easier said than done, but I, I you know, I, I beg to differ because some of the things that I've done for myself, I've, I drummed up. I just said, you know, I would like to do this or I, I'm thinking about maybe I should try that. And so I would just do it. I didn't know what the outcome would be. I didn't know if it was going to be a success, a failure or what. But, I, you know, I said, what's the worst that can happen? It doesn't work out. Okay. You know, I started doing promotions, right? And I started to do promotions in nightclubs. And I worked with Chippendales back in, what is this, 87 or something like that. And I was promoting this nightclub in Manhattan called The Bedrocks and this other one called Visage and another one called 4D. And so working with these nightclubs, I started to learn like, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, I'm, I'm doing this. It was a part-time thing because I worked in real estate during the day, but when I just thought, why not give it a try? I mean, I didn't know anything about promoting nightclubs, but I thought, well, I can learn it, right? Just like anything else. We can learn anything, really, if we give ourselves the, the chance to. So think about creating your own destiny. Don't let somebody create your destiny for you because that is criminal. When you know darn well that you're supposed to do something else, but you're letting someone else take over your life, one way or another, and it could be in different ways, right? It could be they're saying, oh, you can't do it or whatever it might be, or they just, you know, you're just spending all their time with them because you like being around them and you like hanging out with them. Well, that's all fun and dandy, but guess what? If you're not doing the stuff that you need to do to get your dreams achieved, it's not going to happen. Okay, the fifth thing that successful people do, they are hungry. They are thirsty for knowledge and knowledge is power, right? So what do they do? They just keep learning and learning and learning all the different things they need to learn for whatever that thing is that they're trying to do. Now, I, I can give you a similar example when I wanted to start podcasting. I didn't know anything about podcasting. 
I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to record it. I didn't know how to uh, edit a show or how to create my own websites and how to, uh, I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. So what did I do? I started to learn how to do it. And guess what? Then I got my website together. Then I got my hosting up. Then I got this. Then I got that. Then I did this. Then I did that. And I've been doing it now. It's almost five years. And I love doing it. Think really big, right? Because they, they always say, think really big dreams. Because even if you get half of that or a quarter of that really big dream, you're probably still going to be pretty happy. You're still going to have some really exciting things happen in your life, right? When I worked in the, the music business, uh, you know, at first I started with Sony Music and, and their business affairs department. Then I went, uh, I was off of it for a little bit. And then I wound up going to MCA Music Publishing. And that's where I really got this like whirlwind of experience. And then I got to work with Michael Jackson's catalog and the Beatles catalog, which is something I grew up on with my sister who's 16 years older than me, who's a massive Beatles fan. And she's sitting there as a, I'm a little kid, like could barely speak. And I'm like playing these Beatles songs, you know, doing the little boom, 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 booms with her and what have you. But then here I am at 22 years old, administering their catalog, like, holy crap, right? Because I can't believe this is happening. So what I'm saying is like, you don't know, like I took the job thinking, all right, it's a job. And they asked me if I knew contracts. And I thought, well, yeah, if I'm going to what type them up, or I didn't know I was going to be analyzing them and creating systems for them to track their writers and doing all these other things. And then when this man retired with the sampling, who was starting with the sampling business, he retired and they're like, hey, Dormarie, we need you to take over this. Can you do this? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, tell me what I need to do. And the next thing I know, you know, here I am working with Mary J. Blige's songs and uh, Snoop Dogg and uh, all of these guys who were rappers and hip hop artists who were sampling music, which is a really new thing back in the early 90s. I mean, I got thrown into it, but it was like, hey, it's fun and it's exciting. And I can tell when a song is pretty good. I had a good ear. And so I would listen to something be like, yeah, I'd get the chills and be like, oh, this is going to be a hit. This is great. We'll do a deal, you know? So we would do deals. And when I'd hear my stuff on the radio, I'm like, that's my deal. I just, you know, and it felt really fun to be able to get involved that way. But I didn't plan out for that. I didn't set out to do that. It just kind of came and it, it's like the onion started to unfold, you know, because I took this one step and then I took another step and then I had another step. So these things started brewing, right? And that was always a beautiful thing. And then when they would put me on an album as a credit or something, I'm thinking, you know, this is pretty fun, you know? So here I am only 23 years old doing this fun work, but I always felt that there was something missing. Like, you know, this is great, but I wasn't feeling fulfilled. And then as the years went on, I still had that gnawing thing. And, and I realized like it was something that I was missing and it was about being able to give back. So I became an image consultant and I got into styling and helping people with their self-confidence building and helping them with their clothing. Because I feel like, you know what, the first place that you can start somewhere to build your confidence is by clothes. Because you know what, you can change your personality in an instant with something that you put on your body. It makes a difference. Because you know what? If you're feeling depressed and blah and blue and this and that, well, yeah, because you're wearing sweatpants and sneakers and, you know, T-shirts and you're not feeling all that hot and sexy, right? And this goes for men too, okay? It's not just for women. 
But if you decide, you know what, I'm going to put on this cool leather jacket today and this nice little t-shirt underneath and a nice pair of black jeans and a nice pair of shoes instead of sneakers. Now, all of a sudden, you've got this whole new look and I bet you walk and stand taller and, you you know, you'll you'll be walking with your shoulders back and you'll feel a little bit of a, a boost of confidence. So let me just go back to learning, okay? And that goes in every area of your life. So you got to be hungry if you want to be successful. The other thing that they do, I believe this may be number six now, is that they drum to their own beat. And what I mean by that is people who are successful, they don't listen to the naysayers when they say, oh, you can't do this or you can't do that. Talking about, you know, you have a big dream and they're just saying, no, you can't do that. I remember my brother was probably my biggest uh, enemy when it came to that because, you know, I was just starting to drum and I was playing with some really cool cats. And, you know, after I had that opportunity with Joe Walsh, I tried to redeem myself. And um, the drummer from uh, Leslie West, the guy from Mountain, the band Mountain, he was having a a birthday party and I knew him. And uh, he was, they used to hang out at a club I used to promote in Manhattan called Spodiotis. And he's like, Domery. I'm going to have a birthday jam and, you know, you should really come down and play. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm still really nervous. As soon as I hear come down and play, I'm like, I can't do that. So I said, not this time. You messed up with Joe. So you're going to say yes. And then you're going to freak out and go home and figure out how to do it. So I did. I went home and I studied the song, It's Your Birthday by the Beatles, right? And so, you know, I'm practicing it for a couple of weeks and we get there that day and all day and I'm I'm so anxious and nervous. And even that night sitting there hanging out, waiting for my turn to come up and play. And then they finally call me up and I get up on stage and uh, I look around to see who I'm going to be playing with. And then, you know, there's Ace Freely from Kiss and uh, Dion from, uh, what was it, Black Sabbath, I think. And then uh, I forget who else was there. I, I, I All I saw was, you know, those two. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, like, this is crazy. How could I play? This was still like one of my first real gigs. Like I had, I played in, you know, smaller, smaller bars in Brooklyn and with some smaller bands that I knew and in the studio practicing around, but like here it is with professionals. And I'm thinking to myself, this is insane. So and they're like, Hey, what song we want to play? And I was like, well, you know, I study the Beatles song and it's your birthday. Da, 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 da. And they're like, yeah, you know, let's do something else. And so I'm like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? So they wind up doing this, uh, you know, I think it was This this, this Guy is Crying by uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Now, thankfully, I knew the song, but I still had never played it physically, only in my head. But we played the song, you know, the song ended and got a clap from the audience there. And then they had me play another song and then they had me play a third song. And by that time I thought to myself, well, I guess I don't suck as bad as I thought because they kept me on for three songs. Because if I sucked, you know, after the first song, I'd be like, oh, thank you so much. Bye-bye now. So I felt like, wow, you know, that gave me a boost in my confidence level to continue learning how to play to keep playing because I felt like, well, maybe I do have a talent to do this because I didn't really know. How do you know? So when somebody compliments you and they're professionals, then that's, that's, that's a good enough answer for me. So what I'm saying is if you feel like you should be doing certain things and you're not doing them, then maybe you need to start doing them. 
And if somebody that you're around, they don't like it. And I'm not, again, I'm not talking about anything bad here or wrong. I'm talking about something that's going to fulfill your destiny. That's going to help you succeed with your goals and reach your dreams. Because isn't it all about having your best life and living your best life and doing the thing that lights you up when you go you know, when you wake up every day, you can't wait to get to your job because you love it. And it's not a job anymore. It's just such a passion that, you know, they always say if you work in your passion, you'll never feel like you've worked a day in your life. And that's how I feel about when I podcast, because I feel like I'm actually doing the thing I love to do, which is to help motivate people to living a great life, to, to finding a way to break through some of those things and barriers that may stop us from, from achieving our greatest life. And so it's something I've been studying for, I don't know, 35 years plus. I mean, I think, you know, I started working when I was like 14 years old. And by the time I was 16, I already had like four or five jobs. And uh, one of them was at a, at a health club that, you know, I grew up in because my mom worked there, my brother worked there and his girlfriend worked there. And it was in Manhattan on Billionaire Row on 57th Street between Lexington and Park Avenue, which was probably the most highly coveted block in New York City. And it still is today. There's a lot of money on that on that block. But our family did not have a lot of money. We were a middle middle class income family. But um, being around this luxurious spa uh, gym. Over the years, I mean, my mom worked there for probably, I don't know, 10 years of my life or so. And so I grew up there literally and worked there as well. But watching everybody who had money, it opened my eyes a bit to say, you know what? They're normal people too. They just have a great job that gives them good money. But there were some people like, uh, I'm not going to mention, but somebody that used to be on a very famous show back in the 70s. Um, I was one of the jobs I did before I got into the reception spot was that I was a coat check girl. So when they would come in for their parties, they had a, a restaurant upstairs for the members and things like that. So I would, you know, hang up their minks and this and that. And this guy who was on the TV show, he came with his wife and he, you know, had given me their coat. They came back to check it out and go home. And he handed me 50 cents. And I thought to myself, there's two coats here. You're on TV every week making a good salary and you're giving me 50 cents, not a dollar. So I turned around and, and I said, and I pushed it back to him and I said, you know, that's okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Cause I just thought, you know what? That's kind of like a slap in the face. 50 cents. I mean, I couldn't even buy a soda with 50 cents at that time either. So I thought, well, <laughs> you know, I'd rather you not give me anything than insult me by giving me the 50 cents. I wasn't being ungrateful. I just felt like, you know what? It was just a bit stingy. And my parents always taught us to be givers and to share and, you know, things like that. So I don't want to digress here, but I just want to say, you know, stick to your guns, do your own thing. Don't let people stop you, you know, drum to your own beat and keep it steady and going. And don't let people knock you off your path because it's going to happen. You'll get involved with somebody. You, you'll start to do other things, all these non-important things. And it's going to take away the time that you really need to be working on your craft, whatever the thing is. I'm going to call it a craft, okay? Because it's, it's a dream. But you still have to craft the dream, right? So 
The other thing I think it's number seven now uh, that successful people do is that they delegate wherever they can. Now, I have only, you know, very few times have I had teams of people. When I do special events, I usually have more people working with me that are larger events. I hire out some people to help. But most times I do a lot of stuff, a lot of projects by myself. If I'm working even in a certain organization, they hire me as a contractor. I go there and I do a really big job for them. And it's like, again, I don't have a team of people to say, okay, we need you to do this, 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 and this. I'm saying to myself, okay, we need you to do this, 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 and this. And so successful people know the worth of their time. Do you know what your hourly worth is? I mean, it's a strange question. I remember when I first read that in a book somewhere and I had to think about that and say, well, you know, if I'm getting paid on a job, but it's not really about what your job is paying you per hour. It's more about when you're doing the, the thing that you love to do or the thing that you want to grow for your business, that hourly rate is the rate that you should be thinking about. So I know as a fashion stylist in New York, I could charge $150 an hour to work with somebody to help style them for whatever. And certain things could be more depending on what it was. So if I looked at it that way, I'm like, huh, well, if I can charge somebody $150 an hour, then my value on my time would be $150 an hour. Maybe your time is worth $5,000 an hour. Maybe it's $10. But now if you're making $10,000 an hour, I'm sure you have a team of people that you can delegate to. But when we're first starting out with something, you have people that you can delegate to. Like, let's say you have um, somebody you live with, but you can say, hey, look, I'll give you a few extra dollars if you'll run to the store and go to the supermarket and pick up some food. And maybe if you can cook a few meals, you know, or if you can clean the house or if you can hire somebody to clean the house or if you can hire somebody to go run the errands. I hate it when I see myself spending three hours running errands and doing shopping and laundry. And, I, and then all of a sudden, six hours went by and I thought, you know, I could have just spent six hours working on something else, whether I'm looking for another contract job or maybe I'm looking to whatever, record a few podcasts or something, right? It, it just, it, it makes me crazy because if I can't delegate to somebody that's not there to delegate to, but if you have somebody there or you have the budget that you can hire somebody to do certain things for you, just think about how much time that would free up and that would allow you to really work on your craft. Okay, number eight, the number eight trait that people have is that they have sheer determination. They don't give up. They're like a pit bull. They grab on and they don't let go. Are you like that? Or are you the first person to stop doing what it is when it gets a little too hard? Things get a little rough or you don't know what to do and you just kind of throw in the towel. And that's something else that we have to think about. Being able to let go of the things that we can't control, that we have no control over, because most times everything in our life is out of our control. There's very few things in our life that we can control. Everything else seems to come by nature, through God, however you want to say it, right? Did you ever make a list of things to do? You know, you've got 50 things on your list and then all of a sudden a fire happens at work that you have to take care of, something happens in your family that you have to take care of, and it pulls you away and you get further and further and further pulled away from that thing that you're supposed to do. So you have to learn how to find a way to get back and like, you know, with the fishing rod, you, you cast it and then you got to like reel it back in. You got to get good at reeling the thing back in so that you can get back on track. 
because, you know, one day passes and you don't do it. Two days pass, a week passes, three weeks pass, a month passes, four months pass, a year passes. And then you can turn around and say, holy crap, I didn't do anything I wanted to do. I had all these dreams and aspirations and like nothing got done. And that, my friend, is sad, right? Because living with regret is one of the worst things we can do. So you want to have the determination. Promise yourself, write a contract to yourself on a piece of paper and say, dear, your name, I promise myself that today I'm going to turn over a new leaf and not let anything stop me from reaching my goals. Sign it and date it. It doesn't have to be long, but once you write that down and you commit to yourself, you're going to see. You're going to start saying no to certain things that are not going to be so important anymore. You know, it's like, all right, I've been to these parties before. I've been on this thing before and I've done this thing before. And you can say, you know, this goal that I have in front of me, this is so much bigger than going to that party, that event, whatever it might be that can take you away from really doing the thing that's going to matter to you, to your life. So don't give up the determination. Stay strong-willed. Stay, you know, put your feet to the fire. Know that I got to do this. And this is hot because you know what? A year will go by. Five years will go by. Ten years will go by. Fifteen years could go by. And you may turn around and say, oh, wow. Like, where did the time go? Because you know what? Time is a true commodity. It is one that you cannot get back. You cannot get back time. And that is the saddest part about wasting time. And when people say, oh, I'm just killing time, I wish they would stop saying that phrase. Because time is not to be killed. Time is to be used and utilized and lived to the fullest. You know, carpe diem. I'm such a believer in that. I believed it way before I even got hit with a drunk driver because in my yearbook, I put in that quote from Def Leppard, it's um, better to burn out than fade away. And I think all my friends and family thought I lost in talking about drugs or something. I'm like, no, no, this is about living your life to your fullest, being on fire every day and feeling alive and vibrant and not just, oh, I'm so done, bored, right? No, you want to be on fire, you know, fuego, get some life in you. Now, I've gone through so much crap I can't even begin to share, but Something my mom used to always say when I was a kid is, you know, what won't kill you will make you stronger. And I believe in things that that don't come easy, that take work and determination and persistence and through the tears and through the, you know, the pain and the agony that you still will keep going and moving forward to your dreams. And when you get that thing and it lands at your doorstep, then it's like, wow, it finally arrived. Think of how good you're going to feel. So when things get tough, as they will, and they always do, and you know, some monkey wrench is going to get thrown in there. All of a sudden, my car is not working. I have a problem with my brakes. And then it's like, oh, I've got this thing in my eye. I had one of those hemorrhages in the eye. Like you sneeze too hard, you can burst a blood vessel. And that happened. It's like, oh my goodness. Like all I'm trying to do is do something good. But remember, as Joyce Meyer says, you know, new level, new devil. And that means like every time you're trying to do something good, Something not so good is going to try to pull you away from doing that good deed. So become aware of that. And then it sounds a little weird, but it's true. Think about some of the things you might have done or that you were trying to do. And then something happened to kind of pull you away. I know when I was writing my book, 
so many things happened to try to get me from not releasing that book. I mean, everything from I lost all the files, all the electronic files that I had with all the audio files. I had to re-record it all. Then I listened to it. I didn't like the way it sounded, so I re-recorded it again. And then I had all these different things happen. I had a contract that I had on a job that was supposed to last longer than it did. I had a permanent job that I had that was supposed to go on for extra months before she sold the place. And then that ended early. Uh, I kept having all these different things that would take me away from where I was so close to finishing that I had to stop what I was doing to work on those things and not my dream. So many different things happen in that time frame, it was scary. It was like, what the heck's going on here? I'm just trying to write this simple little book, but yet everything would happen to stop me. But I was like, nope, it's not going to stop me. And then finally, five years later, <laughs> I finally released the book. But it just goes to show like you can't give up. I mean, it's not going to happen overnight. All right. So number nine is that they implement and they apply everything that they learn. So they take these traits as well as anything else that they may learn externally, and then they pull them in and use them. Now, I tried using this principle myself because I find that if I take a webinar and I'm learning about something, maybe it's a social media thing, or if it's a, a new computer thing, uh, something I could use on my website, I, I immediately say, you know what, that sounds really great. Let me go try it out. And I go and I use it right away or I sign up right away and start using it. Most times I'm really thrilled that I found this new thing because it's helped me save time. It helped me save hours of doing this thing. And now it made it so simple. I could just do stuff. Like when I first learned how I could use Hootsuite back in 2015 to schedule social media posts, I was like, what? <laughs> so, you know, things are made today so that they can help save you time. And as I mentioned, time is a commodity that should not be wasted, right? So last but not least is number 10. One thing they all have in common is that they believe in the mantra, just do it, as Nike would say. They just do it. They don't make excuses. They don't think of reasons why they shouldn't do it. They don't think of, uh, you know, oh, I have to do this thing and this thing. No, they say, you know what? I don't really want to do this but I'm going to do it. So that's the trait of successful people is that they do the things that they don't want to do. Even if they're tired, they don't feel like doing it. They know they still have to get that done. They know the importance of that task at hand. They know the difference it's going to make in their life. So they're going to do it. Now they may be schlepping through it and saying, you know what? I really wish somebody else was doing this for me today. But <laughs> one thing I always said to my older sister, you know, she, she can gripe about times and be like, Oh, I don't want to do this. Oh, I don't want to do this. And I would just say, you know, well, how badly do you want it? And so, you know, if something actually happens where she hears my voice, it's like, Oh, I hear you saying, how bad do you want it? But then she does it. And then she's like, Oh, I'm so glad I did that. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Right. So think about those things, okay? And I want you to put some stickers up on your computer, on your bathroom mirrors that say, just do it. You know, do it already. I had a friend who, who was talking about fixing something in his house and the floors or something, but he talked about this thing for three years. And I'm like, dude, you're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. Like, don't talk about something to death. You can talk about it. In the beginning, maybe you're working out some kinks and then take action. 
Because, you know, uh, as they say, a body in motion stays in motion. If you start doing little things every day, every day, it's like all of a sudden now it's like you're picking up momentum, right? Because what happens? Action creates action. But if you throw the ball and you don't throw it in a certain way for it to roll and pick up that speed to carry off, it's just going to drop and sink. And you don't want that, do you? No. No, you do not. All right, my little big drumsters. That's all I'm going to leave you with today. So I hope you start to use some of those traits that successful people do, because I think you're going to start to see a really big difference in your life if you do. Now, nothing comes overnight. I'm not saying that you're going to change everything tomorrow, but start small. Add one little trait today, and then maybe next week you're going to add another trait, and then maybe the third week you'll try another trait. But again, get the ball in motion, right? Keep plugging away. Next thing you know... You're going to have a well-oiled machine and you're going to move very quickly through the things that you thought were going to take a lot longer to get through because now you've got momentum and you're working on it every day. I don't have any here, but one of the things that I love using is this um, things to do today sheet. And it's basically just a, you know, eight and a half by 11 piece of paper that just has lines in it at the top. It says things to do today. And I just write all things I got to do down. And I can't begin to tell you how many different times it's helped me stay on track and get things done. Because if you don't put those little things in between the big things, it's the little things with the details that matter. Because those little things will make the sum of the big thing. And believe it or not, those little things are not so little. They're pretty instrumental, but they seem so minute, right? They seem so small that it doesn't really matter. But think about when you're creating something, let's say you're creating a website, right? And you did all this work and then you're trying to sell a shirt, but then you realize like, there's no checkout button. Now you just spend how many hours doing this website, but you forgot the checkout button. So how are you going to get the checkout and pay for the shirt? So you see what I mean? Like all these little tiny things, write them down. Keep one book with everything going so that, you know, you can check off the things, which is something I love to do. It's just like, check, it's done. But you'll be able to stay on target. And if you need to put a, put a you know, a due date near, next to it so that you say, you know what, this has to get done by this day. Otherwise, I won't stay on track to get the project. Another thing I like to do is work from the end and go to the front. So, you know, I like using those peel them, stick them, things you could put up on a wall so that when I'm working on a project, I can kind of see here's my end result. And what are all the steps I got to take in between to reach it? That is all I'm leaving you with today, my drumsters. I know you got this. So if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please let me know. And don't forget to check out the summit that we have. Um, I have some footage up on YouTube that you can catch some of the, uh, the speakers that we had. And remember, it's never too late to live the life of your dreams and leave a trailblazing behind you. So rock on and rock out. And I will catch you on the flip side. 